what he wants in a coach, sort of that, you know, win or lose, we booze kind I of said, thing. I said that Bruce Arians is the Gronk of NFL coaches. Right. And he doesn't have to be Gronk anymore. He's right. a complimentary piece. Mike Evans is Gronk. That's yep. the focal point. And, you know, the, this whole like, oh, well, he's lost all this weight. Like, you need to remove what you think of Rob Gronkowski as. This is like a late career, complimentary, I'll hit you in the red zone. You're not going to say you're, you're red zone. You're going to get 10 touchdowns and, and have, have a great time. And you're going to get like the double teams are going to go to Mike Evans. Like you're going to have room to work. All you need to do now. I said this to Matt. There was a couple of years ago where Gates was clearly sort of done in San Diego, but he still had like double digit touchdowns yeah. because he could still just body somebody up and catch the ball. Right. That's what he's going to get now that opportunity. Whereas if he ever came back to New England, you remember last year, my theory on him when we were debating whether he would come back, I didn't think he would come back if the offense wasn't good. He didn't right. want to be the savior, like the white knight just coming in to be the show. Like right. he would be the complimentary guy, and that's what he's going to be in Tampa. Just enjoy life. You're with your guy that you trust, Brady, that you love playing with, and you're just the third option now probably to just, you know, do your job and fit in. Like I think it's perfect for Gronk. There's like no pressure – well, only there's no pressure. That's the biggest thing. He can literally just go out and have fun. Like if they if they win if they win games, great. If they don't, who cares? Like that's not on him anymore. There's more pressure on Brady in a way to succeed down there than him. He's just kind of along for the ride. There's a lot more pressure on Brady because Brady, from his perspective, has Evans and Godwin and Gronk. He has no excuses. Like he, sh all I hear now is four thousand yards, forty plus touchdowns. That's what he has to put up well, what if the left tackle situation doesn't get solidified and the running back situation doesn't get solidified, you know, and it doesn't, they're now like the fourth or fifth most likely Super Bowl team. Like people are legitimately talking up that idea that, you know, the, a team to host a Super Bowl in their home city, Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, as Fitzy would say, um, like that's pressure. There, There's some certainly some pressure there. And, you know, Rob can just kind of, be who he is and get along to fit in. And, and I think it's a great situation for him. But I also told you, like, I, I think some people still think Gronk is Gronk and he isn't, or he wasn't. Last we saw him, he was a shell of himself. Like, he right. didn't have a good year. He made he big plays. Right. Yeah, he admitted it. And then, but because he made the big play in over Barry against the Chiefs and then the big play in the Super Bowl, it's like, oh, he was still the, the game-winning, playmaking. Not right. really. He had three touchdowns. He had 40 catches. Right. He was – he was not Gronk. Now, maybe a year off, maybe he is healthier and quicker and feels better and leaner and, you know, but he also, I've heard some people say, oh, he's going to be Aaron Hernandez. Well, he, that's not his skill set. He doesn't have that ability, that quickness, like to be Aaron Hernandez. He's going to be maybe, maybe a little slimmer, maybe a little more athletic, but he's still, he makes his money with long arms, big hands, catch radius, not like out quicking people because he suddenly lost 25 pounds. I also, before we move on to the draft, um, like, I don't think they, they obviously weren't staying in New England. They just, that had passed them over. The way that Bill Belichick had done things, there was no scenario where things had gone that they were going to stay with the Patriots. And I just think people need to realize, like, you can't blame Bill Belichick for how this went down. Because think about it in sports. How many people stay with a team and a coach like Bill for so long? It just doesn't happen. Because, well, like, yeah, it's the most ever. Brady was right. the most ever last year. And so you just kind of have to admit or understand that the way that Bill coaches isn't, isn't built for the long term. Like, that, that's kind of – it's hard to play for Bill, and you just can't expect Bill to change his ways 
to appease players like Brady and Gronk because then Bill isn't Bill anymore. And who's to say that Bill's able to succeed being a different coach? Like he's gotten hit this far in this way for being who he is. And it's not on him to change that. It's more for the players to adapt to that because they've shown that winning, he can win the way he's doing it. Why should he change? Other people should change for him. It's funny because we spend so much time talking about how like Charlie Weiss, Romeo Cronell, uh, Josh McDaniels, they can't be Bill. Like they got to be themselves when they go coach. Well, Bill has to be himself too. And like if he changed into, you know, Bruce Arians overnight and he's like, right. hey, win or lose, we booze this week. People would be right. like, what the hell is this? Right. It would be fake. It'd be fraudulent and it wouldn't work. He wouldn't be happy. The results probably wouldn't be the same. So exactly. yeah, there's no doubt. Now that's probably part of why he did try to trade like a Gronk. Like he knows Gronk's upset, but he also knows just like when they traded Randy Moss and they were calling him the Pied Piper behind the scenes because they were worried that he was going to lead other people in his direction of discontent. Gronk could be the same way. Like yeah. you don't want Gronk doing that. Like Martellus Bennett was a guy. Listen to him in the locker room, bitch about it. Like there are guys you don't want pulling other players. You know, my whole theory on leadership is there's like 10% good people, 10% bad people. And then the other 80% are in the middle and can be pulled in the good and can be pulled right. in the bad with that. And I think Gronk could pull people in the wrong direction. And Bill says, yeah, I'll trade him for a first round pick. He gets a culture change. We get, you know, to move on and sort of save face on the program, get a first round pick. And then obviously Gronk, you know, wasn't going to play in Detroit, didn't want to go to Detroit and all that and blew that up. Um, but that was probably a, a smart decision by Bill to try to get ahead of that curve of Gronk's discontent and get something for him when he was still valuable. Um, the other thing I wanted to point out, and I said this to you, um, yesterday when we were talking about this a little bit, like the fact that everybody is just universally accepting Tampa Bay as this is going to work and Gronk and Brady are going to be great. I think that's all a byproduct of Brady. Are we freezing? A little bit, but you're good. Um, I think that's all a byproduct of Brady. If this were anybody, any other team, like I think people would be like, that's not going to work. A 43-year-old quarterback and a tight end who's been retired for a year, who last we saw him wasn't that good and has had 7 million surgeries. This is, this is the Lakers with Carl Malone. This is, you know, there's been a million examples over the years where people try to bring these late career, high-priced athletes, and it's, it just doesn't come together. You know, these, these March super teams, for whatever reason, you know, the Redskins went through it for years with Dion and Bruce Smith and, you know, all these ways to build. And I do think there's a better chance it works in Tampa because I yeah. do think Brady has something left in the tank and I think they have good weapons. It's a good situation, but I think because it's Brady, there's less skepticism than there might be with other places. And also their, their defense stinks. Like I know Mutt has all these st oh, yeah. BOA stats of them being good. Like they gave up so many points last year. And I know Jameis wins it through a ton of interceptions, but their defense stinks. You'll get their cornerbacks. They blow. Like, they're going to give up tons and tons of points, and you're basically relying on Brady and this offense to score 30-plus points a week to win these games. And, I, I, like, they're over-under set on, I think, nine wins or eight and a half, nine wins. Like, I don't know. They played a pretty tough division. They have some tough games on the schedule. I don't think it's a lock that this team is going to be, you know, this Super Bowl contending team that everybody thinks that they are going to be. Right. I, I'm a – I'm skeptical of the defense. I'm certainly not in Mutt's world of all those advanced statistics. I think there's definitely some doubts. But I also think sometimes things are just different when you have confidence in Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski and Mike Evans. Like that feeling that we've seen with the Patriots over the years before they had the good defenses of the last year or two. And it's like 
that feeling knowing, yeah, if we get a stop, there's a good chance he's going to get us a lead. Or if, if, you know, we force a turnover, he's going to turn this into points and we just sort of swayed the game. So I, I think, I think they will be better than they were with Brady in this oh, offense. No question. Um, but I, I have my doubts that this is going to be per- – now, I will say, if you just say the overs and the unders on wins, I would take the Bucks on the over and the Patriots on the under. That's yeah. just the way I feel right now. It could change. Like, things can change. There's still time for Bill to do, you There's know, some rebuilding. But I, I, right now, if you ask me who's going to win more games, Tom Brady or Bill Belichick, it's going to be Tom Brady. And then I'd take the over on them. I think they make the playoffs. And how far they go, are they a legitimate contender? I'm not completely sold on that, but uh, I'm more sold on them than I are the Patriots right now. All right, moving on to some other Patriots rumors going into the draft. Uh, there's a part today out of Miami, Armando Salguero, saying that the Dolphins are exploring trading for Joe Tooney. Obviously, Tooney counts for 14, whatever, 0.8 million against the cap. Patriots only have a million dollars in cap space. So you kind of figure that's an easy way to free up some money. The two sides aren't close on a long-term deal. So let's just say that the Dolphins are interested. Uh, what kind of draft pick would you be expecting the Patriots to get in return? Well, I mean, I think you'd start – everybody says Joe Tooney's an elite guard. So an elite guard is going to sign an elite contract for $60 million a year or whatever. So you're talking about a third-round compensation pick, right, after the third round. What I would yeah. – so if you can get a Dolphins third-round pick right now, that's a high pick. What is that, the fifth pick in the round or whatever? Yep. So now in, instead of getting like the hundredth pick in the draft, you're getting like the 69th pick in the draft. Right. You're getting it now instead of waiting a year. Um, I mean, hell, even the, the fourth round pick from the Dolphins is close to that compensatory pick you get. Maybe you get the fourth and something else, maybe a fourth and a sixth for Joe Tooney. Um, uh, yeah, I'm going through. They have, uh, they have two second round picks. Do you think they could potentially get the number 56 pick overall? Not unless you send something with Joe Tooney. Okay. If you send something with Joe Tooney, maybe you could do something like that. But I think the absolute pie-in-the-sky best deal for the Patriots would be Dalt. What's their third-round pick? It's their own pick, so it's 70th overall. So, to me, that's pie-in-the-sky because that's at least 20 picks higher than you would get a year later as a compensatory pick. Right. Now, again, they could muddy the water and the Patriots send Tooney in a seventh and they get back of this, whatever – um, but to me, that would be pie in the sky to get that third round pick. Cause remember they now have to not only take on the $15 million cap hit, they probably have to give them a five year, $60 million contract or maybe more than that, whatever it is. So, um, but I think we've all fully assumed now I've seen reports. I don't know which I'd like to give credit, but that it's unlikely that it's going to happen before draft. Um, I read that okay. on Twitter from. Okay. Yeah. Um, so take that for what it's worth. Um, now that kind of changes the formula because you don't know what the Dolphins will be next year. You don't know what those picks will be compared right. to just a, a straight compensatory pick. But if I'm the Patriots, I don't want to pay him $15 million this year. I don't really. Well, now that you said that, it doesn't it make sense for the Patriots to trade him during this draft so they actually get something for him this year? Oh yeah. No question. Yeah, right. no, no, no question. So if the, if the I, Dolphins I, are saying like, we're going to wait till after the draft to make this trade, the Patriots should probably say, okay, well, we're going to go see if we have another offer out there that could give us a pick during this draft. Right. And they should, I mean, they yeah. should be shopping him as, as best they can. Now I know he probably will fit in down there with Flores and they know him in culture and blah, 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 blah. But 
yeah, they should be shopping him. You should always shop a player and get the best offers you can. But I'd be looking for that third round pick. Um, Cause then that would give them what five picks in that range, 78, 87, 90, they have three, three thirds. So this would be four thirds and they have a fourth. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that, that, that really is a sweet spot. And then that gives you just even more potential to trade up into the second or. Yeah. You know, so maybe- let's, let's morph this talk into the, our draft talk. Okay. Um, I guess where do you want to start? Like at, at 23. No, let's start yep. above 23. Let's okay. start with an interview that uh, Mutt and I conducted with Jim Nagy last night. on Very, Mutt good. At night. very, very uh, good. In case so, nobody knows that he is former Patriots scout, former Eagles scout, bounced around, did some different – now he's the executive director of the Senior Bowl. Um, so he does have a position which is directly tied into prospects. He has to rec- basically recruit them or at, invite them to the Senior Bowl. He wants them to come. He wants it to be seen as a marquee bowl. Um, so there's a little bit of a, a bias or whatever you want to call it there. But, uh, I found most interesting beyond his Jared Stidham quotes, we can get into that a little bit. Cause he is as big a fan of Jared Stidham as Jordan Palmer is, as almost anybody is. He loves him, thinks he's a great player, thinks 31 teams screwed up by letting him get by last year to the fourth round, all that. But I thought his most interesting comment was about Jordan Love and the fact that if Jordan Love started, started to drop or slip if it is slipping, who knows where the overall projections right. are. But if Jordan Love got into range for the Patriots, whether that's 17 or 18 or, or even got into the 20s, he thinks Jordan Love is an elite prospect. He yeah, said he that – Top 10 back, pick, yeah. Yeah, but he said if he went back, you would have been hearing potentially – Oh, him with Trevor, Trevor Lawrence. And Jordan Love, and that's how much he thinks of him. Trevor Lawrence has been seen as a number one overall pick for like three years now. So he has Jordan Love up there in terms of talent. And, you know, I think the way he phrased it is Bill never wants to be in position to draft a guy as talented as Jordan Love because Bill never wants to tank and have a top 10 pick and all that. But if he gets that chance, would he take him? And I'm sorry, but if Bill thinks as much of Jordan Love as Nagy does, then, yeah, you have to. That's a franchise quarterback. Even if you think Stidham's a franchise quarterback, you can have two. And then you trade one. It's a commodity. Lord only knows what you can do. So – that was the most interesting thing I heard from him. Well, there were a number of them, but that was the most interesting thing. And, you know, could that legitimately happen? Because it now feels like it's Joe Burrow and then just questions upon questions. Like there's reports out of Miami that Miami's looking to trade up ahead of the Giants to get the best tackle. Yep. So, you know, and then somebody said, oh, there's going to be a run like you haven't seen on tackles in the top 10 of the draft. And, you know, these, these beliefs, Jim Nagy said this, that he's talked to a lot of GMs that, you know, people have the first 15 or 16 picks nailed in the media, but after that, it's a hodgepodge and it's all over the place. So, I mean, I don't rule out – like, Jordan Love seems like he's so um, polarizing or all over the place. Like, it almost wouldn't stun me if he went three overall. Somebody traded up with the Lions and took him at three. Yep. But it also wouldn't stun me if he was available in the teens. The Patriots, and you're like, or, or on the Patriots pick at 23, yeah. I mean, that would be – that would be remarkable, but I just, I, there's who knows with the injury with Tua and then Herbert. I mean, I know you did one of those simulated drafts and Herbert was just on the board for you. That's twenty. So it's crazy. Right. So I, I, I think the love thing is fascinating. I don't not to make a terrible pun. I don't love him when I watch him play. Um, I think he is the ultimate capitalizing on, 
how good Patrick Mahomes has been. I think people in their mind think he's Patrick Mahomes 2.0 that he, you know, throws from arm angles and off balance and off platform and this and that, which he does. But that used to be a bad thing, right? Until, you know, Aaron Rodgers kind of started it and then Patrick Mahomes. But that's fine. That's like, um, you know, Walter Payton used to run with the ball with one hand way out here. He's Walter Payton. He can do that. I'll let him do that. If you come in as a rookie and do that, I'm going to whoop your ass and I want no part of you because you're going to fumble. Like, there's special guys that get away with it. I guess LaShawn McCoy would be an example, modern, who does that. But you would never teach a guy or allow a guy to do that unless he's a truly elite talent. And I think, I think Love is riding a little bit of the coattails of, of Mahomes to some success. And maybe he's, maybe he's worth it. I, we'll see. But I just have my doubts. Here's a question. So on top, building off that, there's been rumors, obviously, that the Patriots could potentially trade up for Tua if he were to slip. Who would you prefer the Patriots trade up for, Jordan Love or Tua? Jordan Love. I think Jordan Love has upside. You know, this is where I like to use my draft cliches. I think Tua has a higher floor and a lower ceiling. I think Jordan Love has a much lower floor. He could bust out of the league and a much higher ceiling. Maybe he is Patrick Mahomes 2.0. And maybe you're talking about Chiefs Patriots for the next, you know, 12 years with the two best all-around athletic playmaking quarterbacks. So if I were going to swing – to me, he's, he's swinging for a home run. Like, if you – Jordan Love, you're swinging for a home run. You think he has the potential in a year or whatever to be a franchise quarterback, and you're going to be in the MVP race, and you're making plays, modern football, passing game, all that. Um, Tua just has too many questions for me. Like, I know I, – I find Tua interesting, too, because people who like Tua love Tua, right? like madly in love with him. And I just don't really see it. I don't really see the – like special. I don't really. Like, if he were to play it, say like Cal, he wouldn't have gotten the same attention. I agree. I agree. And, you know, then you throw in the injuries, which are a, a major red flag for everybody. I think even supporters have to admit that that's a concern, all the injuries, yep. and a major injury like a hip. Cause that's the other thing. Almost everyone seems to, and I mean, medically it's, it's going to be a problem. The hip is going to be a problem. Is it a problem in two years, five years, seven years, 12 years? But at some point, it's going to be an issue. It's like when you tear your ACL, they tell you you're going to have arthritis. Like it's just when it sets in, it's just going to be part of your life at some point because of the injury and the surgery. And that's concerning too when you're talking about a high pick. If you're getting value, if you get him as a third round pick, I don't care if he's great for two years, then that's worth it. If he's great for, and if he happens to be great for 12 years, it's, one of the great steals in the draft, but at the third overall pick, um, that's a concern. So as always, the quarterbacks are going to make this interesting, but now we have all these late buzz um, that other things, like the tackles are going to make it in. There's going to be this historic run on tackles, which I personally don't see. I'm not in love with the cast tackle class as much as everyone else seems to be. Um, There, there are kind of questions about all of them. I don't really feel like Tyron Smith is the guy I liked the most as a tackle prospect when he went to the Cowboys, like he was almost perfect. I don't put anybody in that class of, of tackle prospect. Now they're intriguing like the Becton kid. And I know the, the diluted sample drug thing is an issue that's sort of hanging over his head. Yep. I like him physically. Like there's, he's big, fast, athletic, that there's a lot to like, but there's questions about all of them. In my opinion, Andrew Thomas might be the cleanest of them, but I also don't think he has, truly elite upside like he'll be good maybe not great but I think that's good for the Patriots because I don't think the Patriots want to tackle so if 
five tackles or six tackles go before they draft, that's pushing something down. That's pushing good players down the board towards them, whether it's a quarterback, whether it's a defensive player. So I, I think that's good news for the Patriots to hear tackles are going to go on a run. Do you want to get to 23 and kind of where I think is a good look for the Patriots there? Sure. So, so 23, um, again, Jim Nagy kind of swayed me on some things. He clearly thinks uh, Epinesa is a little overrated. From Iowa, uh, edge rusher. Kind of thinks the linebackers are overrated that have yeah, been That stood out to me, too. That kind of got me off of um, Queen and, and Mari. He kind of sound, makes them sound like second-round picks, which is funny because in a lot of mock drafts, one of them, or sometimes two, are oh, going early. Features, yeah. Yeah, like up at 15 and seven to somewhere in there. Um, so I find that interesting. You know, he was emphatic or pretty strong opinion that a lot of pass rushers are going to go higher than people are expecting. Uh, the Uche kid out of Michigan is a name that he threw out there, or somebody that I liked. Um, I don't know if I like him at 23. You know, it's one of those things. When you, when you think a guy's a second-round pick, you go, oh, this guy's pretty good for a second-round pick. And then when somebody says, well, no, he's a first-round pick. Oh, well, yeah. I don't think you know, so. First-round pick, the price just went up a little bit. Um, so if I, I still think the defensive front is, is – well, I, I think trading down is probably the most likely scenario. The more I hear of it, um, you know, the oh, there's first-round picks that are going to win the second round, especially the linebackers. They're starters. They're going in the second round. If they can trade down and get a two and a three or whatever, a future pick, I think that's probably the play. But if they stay at – or if they don't trade up for Jordan Love, or if they stay at 23, I still think the front – because the safeties aren't good enough, nope. in my opinion. So it's picking who the best defensive end, defensive tackle, or linebacker is there. Well, here's what my theory is. So I think they have a list of those front seven guys, like maybe three, four, five names that are on their board that they really like. And if no one, none of those guys are there at 23, they get out of there and move back. And it's, it's not a draft for them to – like it's not worth them staying there and just picking the best player on the board when you can move back and potentially get first-round value, maybe two of those guys later on in the second round. It's just not worth forcing a pick at 23 if a guy that you don't like, don't love, isn't there. They're also not good enough for that. They have too many holes. Like right. that's what they did in whatever year they drafted uh, Ty Warren. He was like the fifth defensive tackle to go, and they needed to get a defensive tackle. Now, I'm sure they liked him. I'm sure he was part of a group that they liked. But I think they said, he, maybe he's not worth this pick, but we got to go get him. We need a defensive tackle. Whereas this year, you're not a good team where drafting that one guy is the difference between who knows what the quarterback position you is. There's so many holes, yeah. Right. Um, and the flip could be true, too, with your scenario, though. Like, if they have four or five defenders, say two linebackers, two defensive linemen, and three or four of them are still on the board. Then go back a couple spots, yeah. Right, because you say, I'll still get one of them, and now I added another pick, another option, another asset. So, yeah, I mean, it's – because they have so many needs. Like, I've been listening to um, the Radio.com draft uh, preview shows on our airwaves when I'm driving home from the station. Yep. And they've been – Ross Tucker and Kistos or Kodos or yep, – Yeah, Nick Kostos, something, yeah. Costos, yeah, Costos, K O S T O S, something like that. Uh, very interesting voice, very distinct voice. Um, he, they've been going team by team, and one of the teams that they emphasize is the Vikings. They have two picks, and Close they essentially together, like 
Yes, like 23, 25 or 24, 27, whatever. And they really need – they have no cornerbacks and, and need a receiver. Like, so they either take a receiver and then a corner or the corner and then a receiver. Basically, it's to oversimplify it. The Patriots are nothing like that. They need, you know, tight end. They need receiver help. They definitely need defensive line help. They definitely need linebackers. They definitely need safety. They need a kicker. Like, they could go in any millions of directions – and I think that makes it interesting, but it also makes it difficult to predict and, you know, difficult for them, I'm sure. Like, sure, there's a lot of questions in their mind is what's going to be on the board at 23, you know, where they want to go, what the value will be. Um, so it's, I think this, you know, people have talked about this being a really important Patriots draft coming off of a lot of things and the holes and the future and the rebuild and the retooling. It is, it's, it's, it's interesting, it's important. And you add in the fact that Bill has kind of, Swung and missed for a few years here. My Saturday co-host, Mark James, loves to point out the whole, you know, no pro bowler in six years and all the bad drafts and not trusting him anymore. I still trust Bill. I still think he's a pretty good talent evaluator. But he needs to hit. He needs to have some starting caliber players come out of this draft. And he needs probably the recent drafts where we have questions about players to also, you know, come into a more positive light like Isaiah Wynn needs to lock down a position Sony needs to be reliable Nikhil Harry Williams needs to be a contributor right so this is this is a big draft and there's a lot of questions but he has a lot of opportunities too uh moving on to like the later second third round tiers I guess that's where the tight end position comes in because obviously I don't know I kind of take a I think one tight end's gonna go in the first round I think one team's gonna be stupid enough to take one just because they have a need and they just feel like they need a tight end. Um, I don't know who that tight end is, but I think that the majority of the tight ends will go in the second and third rounds, or at least guys that can make an impact for 2020. Oh yeah. It's, I mean, it's not a, it's not a great class. It may not even be a good class of tight ends. It's, there's a handful of guys, like even the guy that everybody's fallen in love with. um, Harrison Bryant. No, the Missouri kid, Albert. Alberto, whatever. I'm not going to try to say his last name. I wrote down the pronunciation in case I need to say it at some point, but um, he is like, yeah, there's reason to like him. He scored 23 touchdowns. He ran a fast. Everybody's liking him just because he ran a fast 40 time, really. Exactly. And that happens. I mean, that's how Ben Watson became a first round pick of the Patriots. He blew up the combine with a fast 40 time. And maybe this guy will be okay. I just, he seems like a eh kind of guy, like athletic. We'll make some plays. There'll be some, but first of all, we need to reset. We started talking about Gronk. And I think everybody in New England needs to reset what the tight end position is. Yeah, it's not Gronk. Sorry. Right. Go back to – it's not Ben Coates. You know, go back to Jermaine Wiggins' days where you have a guy that suddenly, because of the needs of the team and the offense, bursts for like, you know, say 60 catches, you know, whatever. And not 16 touchdowns. 60 right. catches, four touchdowns or five touchdowns, whatever. I mean, that's, I think, what you're now shooting for as you're, like, that would be a home run. That yeah, would be and a- also, like, don't look at, like, the George Kittles of the world, too, because that doesn't happen. So you need to look at, like, the, I don't know, like, what's a good example of an average tight end? Like, Delaney Walker, a guy that, like, sure, somebody like the, these yeah. guys. All these, the, the tight end position for a long time, there's, like, there's always a couple elite. Like, right now it's Kelsey and Kittle, right. you know, Zach Ertz. But then there's flash in the pan, really big years that don't con- – and then there's guys that are 60 catches. Like Kyle, Ru- Kyle Rudolph. Kyle Rudolph. Um, the guy that played for the Bills, in the, like Charles Clay. Clay was yep. a, 
yep. good tight end for a few years. That's probably the reality you're looking towards. I mean, you still want to hit the home run, and maybe you develop you – know, Adam Troutman is the guy I like. He's yeah. if, if I could pick a tight end, it would be him and see where he goes. And, you know, talking about Jim Nagy, he, he kind of proved himself at the Senior Bowl because coming from Dayton, he had to go down there and do fit in with, like, big school athletes, big power five athletes, and he did. But a guy like that is still a lot of questions. You know, I've made the comparison to Shaheen, the Bears kid that just hasn't really turned it into anything. And that's, that's the norm. There's a lot of tight ends that go in the first couple, three rounds, because third round picks, a premium pick, according to uh, Ian Crapsheet Rappaport. Um, those premium tight end picks, a lot of them are, end up second or third tight ends, disappointments. Hell, look at O.J. Howard, the guy Gronk's replacing, right? I mean, O.J. Howard was a buzzworthy first-round tight end. Like, he was supposed to be legit. And he's been just sort of an utter disappointment for Tampa yeah. Bay. So we need to reassess our um, evaluation of the position, the expectations. It has to be better than Lacoste and Izzo and those guys last year. but erase like the Gronk great years from your mind and try to find somewhere in the middle. No, Ian Crapsheet, as you like to call him, said that the Patriots basically said today on the morning show that they're basically guaranteed to take a, a quarterback in rounds one through three. I think it's a lock that they're going to take a tight end in rounds one through three, probably two and two or three, just because of the need is way more greater than quarterback. They, they just can't, they can't go into next season without having some hope of the tight end spot. And I know you like Troutman. There's a, there's not many names there either. Like Cole Komet from Notre Dame is the other one. Is Troutman, yeah, would, is Troutman your guy? Troutman's my guy. Komet, I think, is fine. Like, I think he'd, he'd be an upgrade. He could be a little better than that. I don't think he'd ever be a star. I think Troutman has a more upside potential. Komet probably is a little safer pick. Um, the Harrison Bryant kid, the FIU, Max winner, probably not going to be – um, much of a blocker. He's more of a pass catcher. And then Albert O, Missouri, is, pro is a pass catcher and probably has some upside, but I think he has a lot of downside. He could be one of those. If you take him as your second-round tight end, I could see him, like, being inactive or going, like, five games with, like, two catches or just really being a, a non-factor. But we also have to sort of mix in the quarterback position here because – Read my mind. Like – those guys are going to get thrown to more, I think. Whether they suck or not, they're going to get thrown to more because they're on the field and they're playing with, hopefully, Jarrett Stidham, um, maybe Jordan Love, but hopefully not Brian Hoyer. Um, For all of our sake. What's that? For all of our sake. Yes. Uh, I, I, it's true. Like, I would have no desire to watch Patriots games yes. with Brian Hoyer as a quarterback. Like, even if Jared Sidham stinks, and then you realize that he stinks, you can move on to somebody else. Like, you know Brian Hoyer stinks. Right. And Hoyer, like, it, even if Stidham stinks, I still – he's an athlete. He could scramble around. He could be, like – he could be Jameis entertaining or Josh Allen entertaining. Like, Brian Hoyer's not entertaining because he no. doesn't win. He's not exciting. There's no upside. Um, but we, di we di digress a little bit. Um, yeah, the crapshoot thing about the quarterbacks, too – like, I know they're going to add a quarterback. They only have two quarterbacks on the roster. Right. So, I mean, I guess it could be Cam or Jameis if you think they're going to wait out sort of coronavirus and when um, organizations open up again. Uh, side note, did you see that Sean Payton, Payton apparently told the Saints they're not having any anything? Yep, said it. Uh, come back in the best shape of your life and have a good summer. 
<laughs> Isn't that weird? Kind of, but I, I don't know. I feel like anything can happen these these times. Like how much how much is really getting accomplished with, with these uh, visual or virtual workouts? Not a lot, but everybody is pretending that it's valuable. Like even I know I know kids like my son's friend is on an AAU baseball team that they do zooms once or twice a week as an AAU baseball team. Like I don't know what they're getting out of it, but to think that they're doing that. Well, I'm thinking now that you brought that up, like, what about the rookies? Like, they're right. they're gonna have nothing too. It makes no sense to me. Yeah, it's a little odd now that I think about it. Like, I can see maybe like the uh, like workout components and whatever, but like getting into the offense and learning the playbook. Like, they signed free agents. Like, yes. And like yeah. Drew Brees doesn't have. I know he may, he isn't painted as like the Tom Brady dictator of yeah. precise routes, but like. He doesn't want to interact with receivers or, you know, say they draft a receiver, Emmanuel Sanders. Yeah. He doesn't want to interact with Emmanuel Sanders and start the process of what he likes, what he doesn't like, how he likes. It doesn't really make any sense. It, it would be similar to educators everywhere saying, all right, we're done with this whole uh, online learning thing. Come back smart in September. Right, right. You're on, you're on your own. Good luck. <laughs> Seems like a terrible idea. I just upped the Bucks' win total by at least one because they're going to beat the Saints. Right. Um, quarterbacks in the middle round of this draft, the Jalen Hurts's, the Jacob Eason's, the Jake Fromm's. Who do you link most the Patriots if they didn't go quarterback in round one and waited to round three-ish? Okay, so it depends on what they're looking for because – the way I've sort of been thinking of this, and again, I've said this all along, I think there is no more important piece of information this entire offseason than what Bill Belichick thinks of Jarrett Stidham. If Jarrett Stidham, he thinks, is comfortable, is confident, is hopeful, is going to be a star, then I'm drafting Jake Fromm in the middle of the draft. Or Jalen Hurts, uh, a backup guy, a developmental guy. You know, I, I wrote a thing today on the website. Jake Fromm, to me, is like Brian Hoyer. He'll probably be a good long career backup. He's steady smart, you know, doesn't make a ton of mistakes. You can trust him, leader, all those great things. Can't start, shouldn't start, that kind of stuff. But if there's some doubt, then I think I would go for Eason. I think Eason has upside. Now, he may not be in the mix just because he's probably a second-round pick. Yep. And like Jim Nagy said, he doesn't think Jalen Hurts gets out of the second round. I can't. Kuyper said the same thing last week. Yeah, I can't see the Patriots taking Jalen Hurts in the second round. I don't – that's a – that's a pretty strong projection of a guy like, I mean, I know they did it with Garoppolo, but they thought Garoppolo could start basically the day he entered the league. Right. I don't think they'll think that about Jalen Hurts. Um, so I know, you know, we have something coming out for the station that, I don't know, either of us really know what it was, but um, they asked us and separately they asked us. We had no we idea both, this is even happening. Right. We, um, we both answered from, and again, so like from, let's just say, he comes in and competes. If it's worst case scenario, he competes with Stidham. Two young quarterbacks, yep. different styles and strengths, whatever. And maybe you say, Stidham's not ready. He's all over the map. Fromm is, you know, smart, heady, not going to make mistakes. He's used to the short passing game. He, that's all he threw at Georgia. Doesn't turn the ball over. Maybe he competes. If not, then he develops as Stidham's backup. 
and maybe even develops as a guy you can look to trade in three years. Maybe somebody maybe, thinks maybe Stidham fizzles out and you think Jake Fromm's the next guy. Right. And options and everybody needs options at the quarterback position these days. And especially young ones that don't cost much money. Right. I, so I think, I think Fromm will be in that range. Cause I do, I, the Hertz thing surprises me that people are going to be that high on him to take him in the second round. Eason doesn't cause he's that old school, strong arm, tall. I, I like Eason. He would scare the hell out of me, but I'd kind of like to – I feel like Eason's the kind of guy I would draft and be excited about it, and then like three days into training camp be like, uh-oh, this guy sucks. Right, right. <laughs> like Ryan Mallett. <laughs> like yeah. you, all strong arm, throws a pretty – and then you get him, and he's like, why does he keep hitting the linebacker in the face with every throw? Like that would, that would bother me. But, um, yeah, I, if you had to – if you made me pick one, I'd say from. I'm not that excited about any of them other than love, and even love I don't love. Um, Eason probably has the biggest upside, but again, he's old school. I feel like you're drafting Drew Bledsoe, guy out of you know Pacific Northwest with a strong yeah. arm, is too confident in a strong arm. Another uh, overall draft take that I want to throw by you that with the way that this offseason shaking out, um, I think it may be best for the Patriots to limit their draft picks, so maybe trade up to get some impact players and then maybe look to trade picks for future picks next year. Like I could see it's a draft or maybe they only come away with six players, six, seven players. Why? Because of the off season. Like there's not enough time to get these guys up to speed. You're kind of behind the eight ball there. You're probably better off by packaging some of your threes and fours to move up to get two to get more impact players. So you're lessening your picks there. Maybe, you know, trade one of your six-round picks for a fifth next year. Try to boost your value there. Like, I, I just don't see the need for them to go out and try to draft 11 players. Like, I don't think this draft is that good. Do they only have 11 picks? I thought they had 12. 12, 12 picks. Oh, okay. Just making sure. Otherwise, I was going to have to go update a blog. Um, in general, I, I always think that way. I'd always rather have – four good players than seven mediocre players like trade up a few times whatever but I also if we're really going with this whole what was the thing you that Reese wrote a couple of weeks ago faster oh get like yeah faster younger uh, yeah like if you're actually trying to do that then bringing in 12 fast young potential filled prospects isn't the worst thing to do that now competes with last year's draft class and you say okay we got 20 guys that are, you know, we're trying to turn this roster over and, and, and get younger and faster and really change things and our young quarterback and our young stud receiver and we get all these. I don't think it's the worst plan in the world. Now, you're right. It's going to be a weird um, acclimation process for them to, to get up to speed and learn. the. But they'll also all be in the same boat. Right. They'll all be held to the same standard, which is a high one, but maybe a bit more um understandable there'll be a little bit more understanding from coaches and teammates that yeah I'm a rookie uh, I just got here and uh my first practice was you know two weeks before my first game or something like right. so I think there might be some of that um it, it's interesting and it also like this is where I'd also like to know what the master plan is like, oh, that was my that was my next pivoting question what what are they doing it I, seems like they're in the middle of just barely comp- competing for a playoff spot and then also tanking like not or, or looking to get young players experience building towards the future so I think right. Bill I think Bill knows like deep down 
it's probably best to look towards the future and maybe not like punt in a way on this year. But I think he also knows deep down that with a little effort, he can make the playoffs. Right. And that middle ground of mediocrity can be a bad place to be. A very bad place. And like I said, a caller the other day on one of my Saturday shows said, you know, what do you think their record's going to be? And I go, seven and nine, eight and eight in the, okay. Uh, and they got the best coach of it in the ever. You don't think he's good for a couple wins? I go, no, no, no. I think he's good for a couple wins. That's how I get you to seven. I think if this were any other coach that there's a chance that this roster is like a four or five win football team. I'm giving Bill credit for pulling out some wins to get them near 500, but I don't know if that's a good thing. Now I know everybody, Oh, it's not in his DNA. He doesn't tank. You haven't been paying attention. Well, okay. So then he's not doing what's in the best interest of the football team. If he doesn't have a quarterback, like right. sometimes you're going to take us one step back to go two steps forward, right? Like invest, put money in the bank for down the road. That's one of his phrases. You put money in the bank. Well, sometimes losing puts money in the bank, gives you assets. Now all of a sudden you pick, Five and 35, you have two of the top 35 best players in the draft. You pull a San Diego Chargers when they drafted LaDainian Tomlinson and Drew Brees, and all of a sudden you're turning things around quickly. Well, and also you're, you're going to get over $100 million in cap space next offseason too, so you're going to have money to spend free agency as well. Right, and I know we sometimes mock those people like the Browns. They're always in that situation. They have a top five pick right. and a hundred. A lot of money spent. I have a feeling that if Bill Belichick went into next April – with a top five or 10 draft pick and a hundred million dollars in the bank, it would be looked at a lot differently than the Browns or some of the Jaguars or, you know, some of these other crap bum rebuilding teams. I think people would be like, I mean, he has all the tools in his hand to re re inject life into the Patriot dynasty. And I don't disagree with that sentiment. I, I would trust him more than those guys to be, you know, frugal and smart with the money to make a good draft pick. Um, but it gets back to the same old boring response as ever you know what I feel like the table is now turned because for years and I'm sure you've dealt with this the Patriots were always on top in the AFC because of Tom Brady and you would do you know in August all these random stations would call you to do phone hits and you know so can anybody contend with the Patriots and, and what's it going to take for one of the other teams in the division to contend with the Patriots and the same answer I don't know quarterback right would, if they find a quarterback, if Sam Darnold is good, then they're well on their way. It was, it was two answers, a quarterback and a head coach. Exactly. And we know the Patriots have the head coach, but do they have a quarterback? So their answer is what the answer for the other competitors used to be. Because I feel comfortable saying that if they find their quarterback, not Tom Brady, just like you're not going to find Gronk, you're not going to find Tom Brady, but just find your quarterback. Find your, what does everybody say? Chad Pennington was the best quarterback in the division other than yeah. Brady over years. Find your Chad Pennington, and I think Bill is your coach, and you will be fine. You'll probably win the division more often than not year to year. I don't know if they have their Chad Pennington. I don't know if they have that quarterback. So everything else, master plan-wise, you can nail the master plan elsewhere. Oh, you did a good job. You swapped Tooney. You did this. Uh, Froholt slid right into guard. Win is actually there. this. You draft a slot receiver, and Harry's actually what you thought he was going to be. If you don't have a quarterback, almost none of it matters. It's really hard to win without a quarterback. There are very few examples. And then, so yeah, I don't know what the master plan is. I do think the Tooney move will give you a little better. That's a mixed message. Having Tooney on the roster for $15 million is a massive mixed message. I know we kind of talked ourselves into Devin McCourty, $23 million, two years. Well, you need some players. That's going to be the strength yeah. of your defense. You need leadership. You need guys in the locker room, all of that. 
Joe Tooney is just a good guard. That's all he is. And like, I'm sorry, I don't see a master plan where Joe Tooney should be making $15 million. No, which is why I think something happens to him this week. And maybe if they do want to just kind of go all in now, they try a way to extend him. But it seems like the reports don't indicate that's happening. What does all in now mean? Win 10 oh. games? I, I guess, I guess, like, like not looking to rebuild in a way, just trying to do the, your mediocrity, compete for a playoff spot. Because obviously having Joe Tooney makes you better than not having Joe Tooney. But in order to better yourself down the road, it's probably best to trade Joe Tooney. And speaking of which, we should call the Radio.com uh, draft preview show and let them know it's Tooney, not Thooney. Because I heard them call him Thooney quite a bit. Um, yeah, I, Joe Tooney to me is... He's fine. Like, he's fine. I, I just have no interest in paying a fine guard. $15 million. Or $10 million. Or, right. like, how many times have we seen Bill move on from, like, Shane Vereen over, like, $2 million? Or, like, these good players that you say, oh, Bill, he, I mean, he's a good guy in the locker room. He catches, he does what you want him to do. And you couldn't go from $4 million to $6 million? And now we're going to pay Joe Tooney 10, 12, 14, 15 million dollars a year to be guard. I'm sorry. Uh, this is where I want Bill to stick to his value based guns. Not worth it. Don't do it. Any other uh, draft related thoughts you want to get to before we wrap this thing up? Um, draft related thoughts. Who's the, uh, in five years, the uh, biggest star from this draft will be? Chase Young. Uh, I kind of agree. Um, yeah, I think he is the, uh, what do the scouts like to say, cleanest prospect yeah. in the draft. Um, I don't know why you wouldn't draft Chase Young. I, right. I like, other than you need a quarterback. But, right. uh, like, he, he's good. He <laughs> doesn't have any real red flags. Right. Like Level-headed, seems like a good guy, not going to get yourself into trouble. Yeah, I mean, who knows with that? Miles Garrett's level-headed, too, and then he almost tried to kill a man on a football field. <laughs> um, so who knows? I, I wouldn't want to go all in on that. But, yeah, I think he will be really good. Um, so you don't think Joe Burrow. Because the, the, the quarterback gets the benefit of the doubt there. If, he, if he's a good quarterback, he's going to be a star. He's going to be a I, – I don't see him being – like, I see him being sort of like a Garoppolo, like a number 9 to 15 quarterback in the league. I don't see him being a Patrick Mahomes. Uh, well, yeah, Patrick Mahomes is remarkable. I mean, but, but I, I don't see him being, I don't, I don't, I don't see in five years, Joe Burrow being a top five quarterback in the NFL. Was Andrew Luck a top five quarterback at any point? I'd have to go back and look. I don't really. You could maybe make the argument. Cause I, I keep comparing Luck and Burrow. I think there's some similarities there with the mobility and the, you know, I, I think there, there's some now. Luck had done it longer. Burrow was kind of a one-hit wonder, one-year right. wonder. That's kind of what I what – I, that's my uh, issue, that it was only one year. I think he's going to be a star. If he doesn't get hurt, because I don't buy into – I've never bought into the whole, oh, you can't win in Cincinnati, blah, blah, blah. You, you'll be fine. If he's good, you'll win. He, the, the problem they had, they went to the playoffs with Andy Dalton, and then Andy Dalton would crap his pants in the playoffs. He wasn't that good. Um, I like Joe Burrow. So who will be the biggest bust? In this draft, Tua. Tua. Now, is he a bust if he gets hurt? 
that's what I'm classifying it as. I like, I just don't think his career is going to pan out because of injuries. I think even, the, even when he plays, like we talked about before, he's been overhyped because he came from Alabama. Like he's not going to get the top five value if he goes in the top five. And like we said before, I don't think his career is going to last very long. Uh, yeah, I don't either. I, I think he'll be a middling guy. I don't think he'll be seen as a star or a bust coming out of this. He'll be injuries and circumstance and all that. Um, one guy I've, you've known this since the combine is uh, Kinlaw, the defensive lineman out of South Carolina. I have my doubts about the whole showing up at South Carolina at 360 and then having to lose all this weight and him telling me how crazy, how humble he is. Oh, and right. he just, something about him, something about him rubs me the wrong way. Um, and then the other thing that I think is going to be really interesting is this historic wide receiver class. How, like how historic is it? How good are they really? Is it, will any of them be, you know, Julio Jones, Calvin Johnson, Right. Are you, are you getting a draft with a bunch of solid number twos or are you getting a draft with potential Hall of Famers? Right. I think, I think Judy's going to be really good. But a lot of people like Lamb better than Judy. And then a lot of people think um, Ruggs is like the more explosive guy. So I, I think that's the whole wide receiver position to watch that in the next three to four years where they are is going to be interesting. And then we got another year. Um, I was just talking about it with my son because he was watching some stupid YouTube video, like a Madden mock draft. I don't even know what it was. but um, And I don't think any running backs went in the first round. The running back position again, as it continues to sort of ebb and flow with, you know, top five picks. And like now right. Fournette's going to be traded. And um, Todd Gurley's with the Falcons and all these deals. Saquon Barkley's still good, but did you screw that pick up? Should you have done something different? Um, I think the running back position is interesting because I do think there's some pretty good running backs in this class that may not go in the first round, but that actually helps them because then they don't have that pressure. The GM doesn't have the pressure and they get out of their contract earlier and can sign a big deal earlier. All right. So uh, you'll be on the radio a lot during the draft. Uh, Thursday night, big show on with Mud at Night. Uh, Friday, Dale and Keith. Saturday, Mark James. All day. Do you know that changed your time slot? All day. Well, so you're doing nine to one. Bars, I know nine to one. So you're nine you're the draft you're, you're the draft pregame show. Uh, yeah, that's a little weird. One might think they might want to flip that, but I don't know. I just work here. I do as I'm told. I show up when they tell me to show up. I try to do a good job. I asked a question the other night about the the draft night show Thursday night. You know, we're scheduled to be on six to eleven. I said, well, what if the draft's not over at eleven? What if the Patriots have traded down and they're at like twenty nine and it, you know it's past eleven? Are we staying on? And I got like blank, blank, blank. I don't know. <laughs> so I, I can't tell you. I'm gonna show up. I'm gonna give it my best. I'm hopefully gonna eat some pizza. I've been lobbying for Bud Light, our sponsor, to drop off some beers, so maybe I could have a few of those. Now that's the one thing I'm looking forward to most about this draft being at home is you can drink you can drink a Bud Light and it's no big deal. Oh boy, look at those uh, those blogs. <laughs> Typos guy's gonna be all over you Thursday night. I've been pretty clean so far this week. You should actually just put at the bottom like <laughs> these typos sponsored, sponsored by, Bud by Bud Light. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but no, it's going to be a fun, uh, fun three days. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a really interesting draft. I will run out of gas at some point, either late Friday or into Saturday. But uh, this is one of my favorite times of the year because I think ev nobody knows anything. Everybody knows something. And you blend all that together, and it's fun. All right. Well, our next podcast, probably next week, going over the draft, early next week, maybe Monday. 
Sure. Sounds like Monday would be a perfect day. We can talk about all the undrafted free agents. People are saying that's going to be a chaotic uh, atmosphere when the draft wraps up Saturday. And, you know, there's a lot of random. Some people were lobbying for it to extend the draft, but that didn't happen. So we'll also hear from uh, Bill. I'm sure he'll be asked about Gronk. He's talking at at least at some point after one of the days of draft. And I'm sure Gronk will come up. I can I bet now that he will say nothing about Gronk? Well, they, yeah, probably. I mean, they did you read into the, the press release last night just being two paragraphs, having no quotes or anything? No, because, like, they, they gave him the blowjob uh, quote. See, see, I wasn't looking for that. Like, people kind of took my tweet on it the wrong way. I wanted a quote on why they traded him. Uh, because he wanted to be traded and there was no other option. Right. not going to so- do that. But why can't Bill say, oh, I respect Rob a lot. He came to me and wanted to be traded, so I felt that that was the right – no? Rob retired a year ago. We've moved on from that. I think my thoughts on how he played here and his contributions to the organization are sort of uh, been reflected already, and we're really focused on the 2020 Patriots in this draft. That's it. You ain't, you ain't getting crap. Don't ask a second time. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not looking for a long, you know, blow job, like you said. I just want – Sort of some acknowledgement that, like, he was respecting of Rob and traded him to Tampa. Well, plus, was he respecting of Rob, or did he know Rob could make his life difficult with the cap, and it only made sense to get something for a guy who's not going to play for me, which is just a, a free extra pick, right? Yeah, th- that's true. That is true. We a little behind the scenes, real quick. When the we got off the uh, podcast when we were doing the the prospect review for the defensive backs. And I was said, oh, I'm going to write a, a column to wonder if Bill will do the right thing or the spite thing. Because he could have chosen to try to make life difficult on Gronk, call his bluff, see what happened. And immediately the trade went down and Schefter, you know, had the terms. But it, the spite thing would not have been the right thing for the Patriots. to oh, be spite. No. Like, as much as he left you dangling in the breeze with those crappy tight ends a year ago and all that, you don't gain anything by saying, hey, I'll show him, make his life tough. Like, because in the end, what are you going to do? He wants to be reinstated. He goes on your book for $10 million. Are you going to cut him so he can just sign with the Bucks? Why don't I get my fourth round pick? Right. Like, it makes no sense. What's the old saying? You cut off your nose to spite your face or whatever? Like, that's what that would have been. Right. It been per- it's, when you can be spiteful and at least break even or be semi-productive, that's one thing. But when you are spiteful and it costs you something, that's just dumb. Right. And I don't think it was dumb. All right. Uh, tons of draft coverage coming your way, both on the air and on the website. And uh, enjoy the draft. Listen to the radio. Listen to Andy on the radio. Woohoo! Lots of Andy on the radio, for better or worse. If you don't like me, listen and make fun of me. You can rip me. Go on Twitter. Rip me. If you do like me, well, then praise me. All right. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. Peace out. <laughs>